Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. I have great news. I want to let you know the ESL program is open for application. I have helped hundreds of women inside of this program move towards secure attachment and learn how to attract their soulmate partnership. I'm not telling you this to brag. I really want you to know that I know exactly where you are at right now, and I know how to get you to where you want to go. Right now, you might be investing in relationships that seem like they go nowhere, might be completely frustrated with the dating scene. You may be experiencing low self-worth, anxious attachment, or avoidant attachment, and you may just want to give up altogether on ever attracting that healthy relationship that you know deep down you do deserve. And if where you want to go is, hey, you want to be able to date confidently You want to show up as that securely attached version of you with high self-worth who takes care of herself and the person who can also attract and maintain that healthy, great relationship. If that's where you want to be and you're not sure how to get there, I want you to know I can help you. The ESL program is a proven framework. We've helped hundreds of women And right now, when you join, you get access to a very special offer that I'm not sure we'll ever do again. You will get a bonus month in the program. So that's extra time to ensure that you get to exactly where you want to be. So if you're ready to get off the dating roller coaster for good and move to that securely attached woman I want to personally invite you to apply now to the ESL program. The link to apply is in my Instagram bio, and it's also in the show notes. I can't wait to see you inside of the program. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special episode. We have a special guest with us today, Dr. Aileen Alexander. She is a friend of mine, and she's also an amazing health and wellness coach for women. And it is such an honor to to have you, Aileen. I'm so excited for our conversation. Thank you so much, Morgan, for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to be delivering some value to the you ladies today. Yes. And if you want to find Aileen, she's on Instagram at this doctor lifts. And it's so funny, Aileen, when I saw that was your name. I was like, oh, that's me. I also love to lift. Like I, I related with it immediately. Um, 
tell, you know, before we just dive in, cause I know we have so much we could talk about body image, weight loss. This, this is just an area that impacts literally every single woman in America and men. And I know there's so, so much we could talk about, but before we do, can you share a little bit about your story and what, what brought you to this line of work? Absolutely. So I never really got into health and wellness until I was qualified as a doctor. So I was 23. I started making my own money. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with this money? And I thought, right, I'm going to reinvest this back into me. I'm going to go and get a personal trainer. I'm going to get somebody to train me so I can learn what to do in the gym. Like I toyed a little bit with running, but I was one of these kids at school who was always left on the bench. I was never any good at team sports. I never got picked for the team. I wasn't sporty, wasn't fit and active. I'm five feet nine, so I'm pretty tall. So I was good at running. But I was like, that's an area of my life that I've never really explored. And it's time to explore it. So academically, I'd always excelled. I was now a qualified doctor, ticked all those boxes. But it felt like something was missing. So started going to this personal trainer and I absolutely loved it. So it wasn't just about going to the gym or lifting the weights. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was terrified. You would never see me in shorts. Like I'd wear leggings, like a big baggy jumper, like covering my bum, like kind of like hide my way into the gym. And this mm. PT, he had me doing like barbell work and like, like proper weights, like in the man section of the gym. Mm. And I couldn't even bring myself to do it in the gym when he wasn't there because he trained from his own gym, like a small studio. So eventually built myself up and I was like, wow, this is having a huge impact on my confidence. I noticed that my body started to change. I noticed that I got the boost from doing exercise and he started telling me about what to eat. And I followed that and things started to change for me, both internally and externally. There was a shift. I got more interested in sleep and how sleep affected it. And it just became this whole thing for me. I did a small 10-week course on nutrition, loved it because I'm, I'm a scientist, right? I'm a doctor. And then I did a year-long diploma. And then I got involved accidentally in coaching other people and helping them with their journey. And then what I realized is there's a whole world about health optimization rather than what I was doing in my day job, which is it's disease management. Like we're healthcare professionals, but we're not making people healthier. We're, we're helping them manage and try and control their, their disease. And there are many, many conditions that can't be cured, but we try and manage them best we can. And here over, you probably heard from my accent, I'm from Scotland, right? So here we have the National Health Service, which is paid for by the taxpayer. Private healthcare isn't really a thing. And the NHS is wonderful in so, so many ways. But we don't always get it right. So I accidentally fell into coaching. And five years on, here we are, met Morgan online in a mastermind, very like-minded, clicked immediately, which brings us full circle to me coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing this. And I really want to come to Scotland. I'm like, I'm, I'm so ready to come, come visit you there and check it out. Um, 
Gosh, as you were sharing your story, I felt myself really relating to a lot of what you said. And even that feeling of, well, I'm kind of terrified to go into the gym and I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in the man section. I know when I first started lifting weights, you have all these men who are just like grunting and throwing, you know, dumbbells around and it can feel really intimidating when, when you've never stepped into that part of the gym. Um, the thing that I think is most important about what you shared in your story was the internal transformation that you experienced along with the physical, because I don't think we talk about that enough of how it's so, so connected. I think you're right. And it's one of the things that I will do for any client, whether they're working with me or one of our coaches, I want to know their vision. Are their goals big enough? Have they really, really thought about the why, the drive behind it? Because if it's just about losing 10, 20 pounds on the scale, it's not a big enough vision to actually ever arrive at the destination. That's that's really powerful to think about that it's not really about the weight as much as the version of you that you become and who who you are, right? In terms of how how you go about your day, the way that you feel, the things that you're doing, uh, that that vision is so much more powerful than just, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Oh, totally. And, you know, being honest, when I speak to clients, when they're in the middle of their journey or when they finish their journey, they didn't even realize that that was a thing. And I think I could tell people at the start, like, it's about who you're becoming. I think until we've had that transformation ourselves, that piece doesn't quite click. I don't know about you, Morgan, and, and your story or for that similar for you, but it's certainly where I was. Like, I didn't start going to a personal trainer to change who I was in the inside or my confidence levels. I just thought, well, this is an area in life I haven't really worked in. And it would be cool to, to maybe be strong or to maybe get a little bit fitter. Yeah, I think mine, I'll, I'll share a little bit with you. Cause I just realized, you know, we've been friends for over a year and I've never even shared this story with you and I want to share it with you. And I also think that the audience will really appreciate this. So I definitely grew up with the relationship with food of food is comfort. And in my family, it kind of was not easy to talk about emotions, but we'd find other ways to try to comfort each other. And I think a lot of people can relate to this of like food is love. And, you know, your parents are just giving you those extra servings. And instead of one bowl of ice cream, have two. And it it really early on for me developed as a comfort tool. So instead of actually dealing with my emotions and dealing with stress, food was used to manage emotions that came up. And there was a lot of, you know, early things I experienced in my family that were really challenging. And I just never learned how to deal with what was going on. So by the time I was in high school, I remember the day I was like a senior in high school and I just didn't feel confident at all. I had had kind of this lifetime of 
being overweight, being the the chubby girl. Um, no, nobody asked me to prom like the, the, the classic, like girl who's just doesn't fit in. I mean, I did have like a little jock community and I, I did have the track team, et cetera, but it was, it was really, really challenging. And I got to this point in high school where I s- stepped on the scale and it was like 215 pounds. And I just remember it was, it was like my body image rock bottom, if you will. Um, it was this point of, I can't live like this. This is just not the vision I have for my life. And I went off to college and I found like the best looking trainer that I could find. It was this girl. I think she was doing bodybuilding like comps and she, I think she weighed like 120 pounds and she's tan and just like gorgeous. And I thought, I want to be just like her. And she taught me how to use weights. Um, However, the approach she used was incredibly restrictive. So my first, my first experience with quote unquote, getting fit, losing weight was 1200 calories a day, same three meals every single day and very, very restrictive. So I know this is a long story, but basically I went on and I lost about 70 pounds in one year, which is not easy and was very motivated and it was very rigid. Um, but I was, I got to this quote unquote goal weight that I had and I was still miserable and I still didn't feel like I looked good even after losing 70 pounds. And I felt anxious all the time about what I was eating and how I was working out and was I, was I doing enough? So eventually now after a decade later, I have found a healthy way because I love health and fitness. I love lifting. I love eating right. And it's balanced instead of this overly restrictive um, way of being. So I could go on and on, but wow. <laughs> I love that story, Morgan. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. And, and you're right. So many times when we go into this weight loss journey, it, it becomes this really crazy restricted thing. And I'm so pleased that you find a place of happiness, a place of purpose, a place of self-acceptance where you're totally at ease with yourself. Because yes. looking at you just now on the screen and other people, I don't know if they, they'll be able to see this as well or, or or hear us, but people, you know, you ladies know or men know what Morgan looks like. You would never tell that she had that story behind her. And I think oftentimes when people want to make a change in their life, whether it's a physical thing or an emotional journey, they're, they're always together. They're always attached, whether mm-hmm. we realize it or not. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to see somebody who's at the destination and go, well, that'll never be me. I could never achieve that. Everything I've tried, I failed at. And it's so easy to get stuck in that narrative. But I think everybody needs to allow themselves to be a little bit inspired by your journey. Thank you so much. Yes. And I I think, honestly, when when I reflect on this, one of the things that stands out to me is just 
growing up and thinking that your worth is connected to your physical appearance. So when I first started my health and fitness journey, it was because I felt that I wasn't good enough at my core and that I wouldn't be good enough until I looked a certain way. And some of that came from like how my dad would talk about people and he would he would always talk about people that he knew or even coworkers of his. And the first thing he would talk about was their appearance and if they were in shape. And it was like this belief system that you weren't you weren't worth anything unless you were beautiful, unless you were in shape. So approaching health and fitness from the lens of, okay, I will be good enough when I get to my goal weight is a terrible, terrible approach. It, but you and I know this, this switch of, I am good enough. I am deserving of feeling my best, of feeling confident regardless of what I weigh, I am good enough. And then approaching health and fitness, that's a whole different experience. And I, I certainly have done it both ways. Yeah. At least like it's the difference between running away from pain or running towards pleasure. And most yes. people are running away from pain. They want the pain to end, but we get more of what we focus on. We manifest more of what we focus on. And sadly, for so many people, they, they tell you exactly what they don't want, but they've not thought long and hard enough about what they do want. Like as a teenager, I had really bad acne and I had glasses and I used to get called pizza face and I was bullied at school. and All of that had a horrendous effect on my confidence. But then going to this personal trainer and going in the gym I felt stronger because I thought when I qualified as a doctor that, wow, I've arrived at this destination. I've got this professional title. Like, and I was like, oh, I still don't have any confidence. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, wow. and, th and that's how that story unfolded for me. But like you, uh, the personal trainer was telling me what to eat. And this was one of the reasons I went on and did the nutrition qualifications because I thought, there has to be another way. Like I got a two day meal plan and I would just repeat those days. And it was great in that I saw the physical changes and I was building muscle and I was getting stronger. But I was like, I don't think that this is healthy. I really didn't know any better. I didn't really know about supplements. And he was saying to take this and that. And I was like, I'm like a medical doctor. I should probably know more about this. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, going full circle, a lot of the ladies I support are, are in healthcare. They're the nurses, the doctors, the surgeons, the social workers of this world. Um, and, and they feel like I, I should know this stuff. And a lot of people, I think, as well, know what to do. But actually being able to put it in place consistently then becomes the struggle because the mindset part. Yes, absolutely. And think thinking about this, and just how there's so much information out there. Oh my goodness. In the health and, and fitness and weight loss industry, there's so much information and it's so confusing and, and it can be so hard to make decisions for yourself and really to actually be able to trust yourself and have confidence that I do know how to take care of my body. I do know how to make decisions that feel good for me. Um, 
I, I think it's, it's a very important area of life to gain that confidence in. And I you, agree with you. When, when you talk about mindset, let's, let's just talk about that. I want to talk about like common misconceptions that people have about weight loss and some of what it actually requires. Hmm. Well, I mean, one of the biggest things that I see is, is people want a plan or a program or something that's going to work, a validated system that if I do X, I will get Y results. Because we all know that a calorie deficit makes us lose weight. So if we eat less than we need, the body will find extra calories from stored tissues. And I say tissues, not fat for a very specific reason, which we can circle back to if, if we need to. Um, but the problem is maintaining that deficit is super hard. And then people will trip up or they'll get tempted by that glass of wine or they'll grab some chips or crisps or whatever you want to call them, whether you're US or UK or chocolate bar or fast food because it's convenient. And then it comes all or nothing. People throw the towel in and they completely wipe right off the whole weekend. Diet starts again Monday. I call that responsibility debt because you're putting the responsibility of taking ownership onto future self rather than current self. But the biggest triggers I see are stress and fatigue, often home or work driven, like just totally exasperated, exhausted at the end of a really busy, hard working day or women who have kids and the kids are driving them up the wall or they've not slept well or menopause causing night sweats and therefore not getting a good night's sleep. Like there are just so many things. A meal plan won't solve that. A meal plan will not set you up for consistent success because it relies too heavily on consistent motivation and willpower. And we don't live in a lab. Life happens. You know, we have menstrual cycles, we have arguments with significant others or boyfriends or whatever, or friends or work deadlines. And when these things happen, we're more stressed, we're more tired, we're more likely to crave carbs and sugar. And if your said meal plan from whoever made it or yourself doesn't contain these foods at all because they're off limits, they're banned, or maybe you're doing low carb dieting, then whew, that is a recipe for disaster. And then as a result, self-worth goes down the toilet mm -hmm. so you can mm -hmm. see how it's just this domino effect but I also understand why people just want a meal plan because they don't understand how to solve these other bits and is that even possible and there are a few people that specialize in that you know I mean it's few people that actually cover it at all but very very few people who actually specialize in, in that being the core concept so important. So important. I think it really, it really clicked for me within the last couple of years of the actual root cause, you know, if, if we feel like we've gained weight or, or we feel off, it's, if we look at the actual root cause, it's not about necessarily that you, yeah, went off the diet or you drank that weekend, et cetera. It's what were the stressors that then caused you to use food or to use alcohol as coping? Yeah. And I, I think with that, we have to really look at self-compassion. 
right? Of saying, well, hey, I was really, really stressed and I grabbed something that was really easy and that's how I was coping. And I want to cope in a different way. And then Mm -hmm. acknowledging, realigning with this is how I actually want to cope with these stressors. Instead of, I think what you and I see is people beating themselves up when they cope with food or alcohol or, you know, getting off the plan, then it's, it's exactly that spiral that that you described of self-criticism. And then the cycle starts all over Mm -hmm. and you get nowhere. Yep. And then it becomes this whole thing and it grows arms and legs and it starts to spill over into all other areas of life. Like not putting yourself forward for that promotion or not putting the light on when you're getting intimate with your significant other or your daughter starts to wonder what you're doing while you're eating different foods from the rest of the family. And it becomes huge. So I I don't think it's actually the weight that's the problem. It's the byproduct of how the weight then makes us feel and interacts with the world. And I also feel that solving the weight isn't the core solution. We need to solve the core problems, which then the overeating is the downstream. Like you say, going to the core source is is it stress? Is it self-worth? Is it self-belief? And I think compassion is so important. But I also know that if I went to women when they were first like having all these problems, I said, look, you need to have more self-compassion. You'd probably give me the middle finger because they'd be like, what the has this got to do with anything? Like, I just need a meal plan. I need to cut carbs. And there will be people who are listening to this and hopefully having some big aha kind of light bulb moments like oh wow okay so going back and doing that thing before that helped me lose that 10 or 20 pounds which I then regained maybe isn't the long-term solution because maybe it doesn't deal with the downstream core problem yes absolutely and and I know when I first started my journey if someone had told me to be self-compassionate I definitely would have not been able to even grasp that. Um, but you start to learn that, that, that really is so huge. Um, so we were talking about, um, the mindset piece and really, really understanding how this impacts all areas of life. I love those examples that you gave about, you know, not going up for the promotion or turning the lights off with your partner, And it's so much about how you see yourself and your own self-confidence. And one thing I know, which I feel like you'll agree with, is that when we decide how we want to take care of ourselves, maybe we do have an exercise plan or we do have a way of eating that feels really good to us. And that's what we decide to do when we honor that decision and our actions match up with what we want, we get a lot of self-confidence in that. So a way of being that is sustainable, that we can honor and that we can show up and do just by doing, by essentially honoring the commitments that we've made to ourselves is a huge confidence booster. Do you, do you, um, work with women on that of understanding, well, Hey, when you show up and do the actions, it will help you. 
Yeah, so I I call it keeping the promises that you make to yourself. And the way I approach it is women will make themselves all these promises. I'm going to go to the gym five times this week or I'm not going to eat carbs all week. And then they give up on it because the bar has been set so high that it's unrealistic for pretty much anybody to achieve it. Now, I'm sorry to disappoint everybody, but I go to the gym like two maximum three times a week. Like I'm not one of these fitness buff people that like spend their whole day in the gym and I don't do my 10,000 steps. I'm very, very balanced and it needs to be very sustainable. Um, But yeah, when we start keeping the promises we make to ourselves, then we get that endorphin hit. We get the dopamine surge, the happy hormones. It makes us feel good, serotonin, all that good stuff. And it starts to build that momentum. And what it does is it reinstills the belief that you can do this. Because you started thinking it was impossible. You're starting to build traction and momentum. This builds this momentum and this energy because you're celebrating your wins. You're seeing your victories. You're measuring your progress. It's tangible. And this builds more, more momentum. And then you can continue going. But it's very, very, very important to make sure it's an achievable realistic goal so like one of the big things and this might sound totally crazy two big things that we do when we work with women first one is we will make sure that they have their chocolate or their ice cream or whatever in their meal plans we will give them a meal plan deliberately to make sure they're eating these foods isn't that a bit crazy so yes I'm a doctor that will prescribe you some chocolate (laughs) because if we (laughs) cut them out when it's off limits it's bad and it makes it more easy to stick to But the other thing is exercise is off limits until four weeks into coaching. So if you exercise already, great, keep that up if you've got a routine. But please do not come in, go on this crazy low-calorie diet, do all this exercise, and then give up. So it needs to be realistic, like exactly what you said. And then you start showing up for yourself and you're like, yes, I did it. I think Mm. that's so important for us women, even myself. Like, I don't know about you, Morgan, when you did all your exams to become a doctor, like it's pretty tough and it needs to be broken down and you do a little bit and take it off and reward yourself and, and move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love this, this piece of it has to be sustainable. It has to be something that it's not just a fad. It's not just a, a diet. You know, we're talking about changing your life. And there's, there's so many marketing things out there about like, oh, eight weeks and lose 20 pounds. Right. Or like, and it's the, the thing is, is we're so susceptible to say, oh, I want that dream body by the time I have my birthday or there's that pool party I'm going to, and I want it now, but the damage that that does to your body and then the damage that it does to your mindset, more importantly, of, oh, I'm going to like do this thing. And then when I fail, I feel even more stuck. It's just mm-hmm. this terrible cycle. So, so building what you're talking about is a lifestyle that supports you. And sure. can you talk a, a little bit more about why non-restriction is part of what you do? Because Gosh, with keto, with all the th- with the sugar, with all the things we see, restriction is heavily promoted in in the mm-hmm. dieting world. So, talk about why why you don't do that. 
So it would be very, very easy to say to somebody, like you just said, look, I'm going to help you lose 20 pounds in eight weeks, you know, and, and on you go. But I really don't feel that that would be ethical or moral because I signed this Hippocratic Oath. I'm a doctor. I need to make people healthier and make people better. First, do no harm. And I genuinely, truly feel, I know that those approaches are harmful, not just to somebody's physical health, because the weight loss isn't just fat, it will be other tissues, for example, possibly organ, you have a a lot of different things in your body that isn't just fat. So that number in the scales is total body mass. But the other part is, I want it to be long term sustainable. So I've been doing this work a long time, five years now. And we reach out to everybody after they finish coaching sporadically, make sure they're okay, they have everything they need, because you build such a connection with women. And I want them to be singing our praises, saying that, you know, I lost the weight, I kept it off, I lost more of my own, I got this job promotion, you know, you know my relationship is, is healed, I'm more confident in the bedroom. And that gives me the warm fuzzy, because you know that you haven't just helped somebody to lose weight on the scale, but you, you've helped them change their life. So restriction is not helpful it's it's absolutely harmful and in the short term you might see a dramatic improvement I'm going to put this in inverted commas on the scales Mm -hmm. but what are you actually optimizing for it goes way back to what we said at the start of this conversation what's the vision not just the goal but why is losing that weight so important to you who do you become do you change the way that you walk do you change the clothes you wear do you put yourself forward for the promotion do you become the role model mum what's it really about at the core I mean to go seven levels deep I don't know if you've ever done the Dean Graziosi's um, seven levels deep on your why but that's such a cool exercise to do um, and ladies can can google this or look it up afterwards if they want to I love that I love that so much and I I think one of the things I think about is that vision for who you are and who you're becoming. Do you want anxiety about what you're eating to be part of that vision? If you're following restriction, that's, that's kind of what you're going to have for the rest of your life. You're going to be somebody who's anxious about, Oh my gosh, I ate, I ate a carb, you know? Um, and I, I don't know, that's, that's definitely not the vision that I have for my life. So I, I think this piece about who do you want to become and what, 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 is, the, what is the real why is, is so huge because also you, you need that clarity to be able to keep showing up for the goal. If we don't have a strong why, we're going to abandon it. So, so many good things, Aileen. I really, really appreciate you talking with me about this. Um, what would you say to someone who, cause I want to also relate this back to relationships a little bit. So let's say a woman comes to you and they say, well, I want to lose weight because I want to be able to date and I'm not going to be able to get a man unless I've lost weight. So, you know, I'm going to say Morgan, <laughs> This woman needs to do it for herself 
first. And she, before she even puts herself out there, needs to heal and love herself first because nobody's going to rescue her. What are your thoughts, Morgan? <laughs> well, I I was that person years ago and I can vividly remember like running on the treadmill and thinking about, well, hey, that guy's finally going to notice me when I lose this extra weight. And it was this whole piece of I was looking for my self-worth to be given to me from a relationship. So is that external, uh, seeking external validation from a relationship. Um, and it didn't work. It's like, even, (laughs) even if you get the relationship where you're finally that, you know, body type that you think you should be, you may get those things, but then you still don't have good self-worth. So I totally echo what, what you said. Um, you have to be able to do it for yourself and give yourself that, that self-worth first. Um, and I think also knowing that a partner who is giving you attention based on that hot gym selfie that you post probably isn't the kind of person that you want to build that long-term relationship with as well. So there's a lot we could talk about there, but that's, that's some of my first thoughts. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's really, really important to, I guess, look at health. Like I'm always, always going to bring it back to health. And there are three parts of health. There's your physical health, your social health, and your emotional health. So is it is it really healthy to lose weight to get that relationship? And is that emotionally healthy to be thinking you need that relationship to therefore feel worthy and, and validated? And I know a lot of people listening to this will be like, well, obviously not, but I don't feel that way right now. And that's when the healing process then needs to, to begin because people, they don't know how to fix that within themselves and, and they feel trapped and lost. So they do what they think is the right thing, which is, right, get on the treadmill because that guy's going to notice me. And it becomes this, this cycle because even women who have arrived at their destination, and I say destination like, you know, the number and the scales, they're still like, oh, but I still don't feel worthy. Well, well, why? And then we need to look at your values and your beliefs. And that goes way, way back to like what you had said earlier, how we're brought up because we, we learn our values and our belief systems as we, you know, about more about this than I do, but from our parents, from the people we spend the most time with as we're growing up as kids, our teachers, you know, people influence us and they leave little parts with us. And and we need to take ownership of, well, what do we what do I want to value at this stage in my life? What are the choices that I want to make? And that can be really, really hard. Because the other thing I see a lot of when I'm working with ladies is people pleasers. So especially if they work in healthcare or if they work in teaching or sometimes management and leadership positions. So they will do so many things for other people, but at the detriment of themselves. So I often get people to draw a big pie chart and split it up into four and write their different identities. So like, you know, career, um, wife, mother, self, like, you know, what what your different hats in life are. 
And what are you given to each area? And what are you given to you? So introducing self-care sounds like fluffy concept to women at the start because they've just never really done anything for themselves. I've spoken to ladies that are like, I buy all my clothes from a charity shop because I can't even go and spend clothes on me. But if it was my son, you know, I would move mountains to make sure he had everything he wanted. This is so, so yeah, so, so important what you're talking about of that, how self-worth and self-care really line up and with, with people pleasing that, yeah, you're putting everybody ahead of yourself. Um, and sometimes if we've never invested that time and energy into ourselves, it can feel so foreign, so uncomfortable. You could have all those false beliefs of it's selfish, it's wrong, et cetera. So really helping women get to a place where they can invest in themselves unapologetically and, and because of knowing that they're worth it. Mm-hmm. One of the big tools I think can be helpful if there's anybody who's struggling with this is think when your fuel tank is full, so you're full of energy and you've had a good night's sleep and you've eaten well that day, what kind of person do you become and who else benefits from that? Who's your nearest and dearest? And do they get a more calmer, relaxed version of you? Or do they get the version of you that's biting their head off, that's absolutely exhausted and can't fully show up? So your self-care is not selfish. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could look at it being selfish if we don't do it because it impacts everybody else. And as soon as that happens, that starts to create a few thoughts that can completely revolutionize people's lives. I love that so much. The book that I'm working on, which I know I've told you, I'm working on a book. <laughs> Uh, chapter three, we'll see if this changes, but chapter three is called Ferrari maintenance. And it's talking about how you are not a Prius, you are a Ferrari and you deserve the level of maintenance that is required because we, we think about it. We just expect ourselves to just show up and go, go, go nonstop, do everything for everyone else without actually maintaining ourselves and giving to ourselves. So I'll always tell people different levels of your life, different seasons of your life require different levels of self care. And I want everybody I coach to get to a place where they have radical levels of self love and very, very um, intentional self care practices because it's exactly what you said, the way that you invest in yourself is then going to allow you to dictate how you want to show up in the world and being, being that best version of you in your relationships and your career everywhere in life. I totally back that love that concept. And the Formula One car that wins the race isn't the one that never went into the pit stop and had the tires change or anything else. It's the one that was sensible and did it before the tires burned out so they could keep that traction on the track. It's so important. Continue the car metaphor. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I know that there's so much that we could talk about and you and I both have a heart for really serving women and helping women live their, their best lives, not just 
their comfort zone, not just what they're used to, not people pleasing, but really living their most fulfilled, best lives. And I think a lot of that comes from our own journeys and us knowing the pain of what it is to be stuck in a place where you're not putting yourself first or where you don't know how to take care of yourself. And then just the radical shift that we've both had in learning how to really take care of ourselves, show up for ourselves, follow our dreams, you know, and, and live, live the life that we actually want to be living in, in deep down desire. And that takes a huge amount of courage to really push yourself and propel yourself forward and keep putting that one foot in front of each other. But the results, the feeling, that kind of independence that comes from it is incredible. And it's so it's so freeing rather than feeling tied and feeling succumbed. And you know, I've certainly been in victim mindset before where all these things are happening to me and why me? And the only way to overcome that for me had really been taking ownership, but that was a process. And, you know, there, we, I'm not perfect. Absolutely not. There are still times when I catch myself, um, but it's, it's a healing journey. It really is. Yes. And I'm so grateful that we've connected and been able to get to know each other. And I know that there's so much value that you can add to the audience. And I'm just, I'm really happy that, that you came on and um, talked with us today. I do have one question for you, but before I ask that, I want to make sure people can connect with you. What is the best way to find you, to find your program? Give us the deets. So I'm probably most active on Facebook. I run a Facebook group called Healthy Happy Woman, or you can find me on Facebook, just Aileen Alexander. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram. My name, my handle on Instagram is This Doctor Lifts. Now this goes way back to a nickname that the nurses gave me on the ward, and it just got stuck. So we abbreviate the company to TDL. So we were like, "Oh, so you, do you coach people on how to weight train?" I'm like, "Actually, no." <laughs> so maybe you need to work on that one a little bit. But yeah, I'm TDL. I'm I'm This Doctor Lifts, and you can find me. You can hit me up drop me any questions that you have on, on maybe some things that you've heard today, but yeah, that's how you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope that you all go follow her. She has so much good content and even in my own life, she's certainly helped me. So go check her out. And Ailey, the question I ask everyone is if you were walking down the street and a random stranger came up to you, and they wanted to know your best life advice of the moment. It doesn't have to be of all time, but currently your best life advice. What would you say? That is such a great question. Mine would be, even if you're absolutely terrified, just go for it. Push yourself out there. Never, ever, ever in a million gazillion years did I think that I would be owning a company and doing the work I'm doing with women and on a podcast like wow because confidence was not my forte as as you know from my story so even if you're terrified just go for it there's so many opportunities in life that if we took them 
our life would completely change direction. So, so go for it. I love that so much. And that, that has certainly been a huge lesson in my life as well as even if you're terrified, do it anyways. Um, Angie Lee, she's on Instagram and she has this saying of ready is a lie, which I believe to be true. We never feel ready, but we need to do it anyways. So that's a, that's a great thing to leave us with. Thank you again so much. Appreciate having you on today and I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Thank you so much, Morgan. It's been a pleasure. All right. And everyone, you know, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.